I don't think I've ever studied a passage that related to more verses in the Scripture than I have this passage. One verse that we're going to look at today, and it's in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at the third of the Ten Commandments. Let me just read it to you, and then we're going to just jump right in this morning. So the third commandment, beginning at Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold harmless... Excuse me, I didn't start it. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What I want to do this morning is just kind of cover a, a few questions related to that commandment. First, we're going to talk about what does it mean. What does it mean to take the name of the Lord in vain? And, and what does it mean when he says that he will not hold guiltless he who takes his name in vain? I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church. I grew up hearing the Ten Commandments from the time I was old enough to hear, I think. And I grew up thinking that this commandment was about swearing. Uh, and I don't know, in my household, when you grew, it was like this. If I used the name God, or if I, excuse me, if I used the word God in a sentence, if I wasn't actually speaking to God or addressing God in some fashion, my parents would, would oftentimes spank me. I mean, it was kind of a, I had to be taught that you don't say uh, use God as a comma in a sentence or as an exclamation point uh, when you were talking. So we'd just be talking and you'd say, uh, oh, God bless me. Or, you know, you might just say, oh, God. I mean, that was kind of one of those things. Something bad would happen and my expression would be, oh, God. And my mom and my dad, both and my sisters here, she could, I mean, they didn't react well to that. That's not what we were supposed to say. Uh, and that's not how we were supposed to use God's name. Now, I also thought of it in terms of we don't curse uh, in God's name. You know, and you don't use God's name as part of a curse. That was my understanding of this commandment for a long time. And part of what I want to do this morning is help us think through what the commandment actually means. Now, I think most of you, if you can remember, uh, Think about just the Sermon on the Mount for just a moment. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addressed uh, the people that he was talking to them, and he used this phrase several times. He said, you have heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, or um, other statements like that were quotes out of the, the Old Testament, some of them right out of the Ten Commandments. And so he would say, you have heard it said of old, and then he'd talk about what people had heard, and he said, but I say to you, in the case of adultery, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, but I say to you, if a man lusts after a woman in his mind, he has broken this commandment. So and what Jesus was doing in that passage and in that section was showing his listeners that the Ten Commandments, the commandments that God gave us, were far deeper, far more reaching than what... Um, they had understood them to be. And uh, I don't know about you, but even when I read those and I think through those and I think Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, and there was the easy thing to do, but I say to you, and then this is what the commandment really says that we should not do, and it's much broader, it's much bigger. 
as you read through that and you think about it, the, the one I just mentioned, you shall not commit adultery. Well, if adultery means lust, I'm guilty. And so are, or so is every man in this room. I can't speak for the women, but I'll speak for the men. We're guilty. And that's part of what Jesus was doing with that commandment. So what I want to do is we're going to take this one. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I want to see what that means uh, at its, to its fullest extent. So the first thing we need to do um, is, I, and I just want you to think back about when Will started this series, he said we have to read the Ten Commandments in the context in which they were given. And he told us that the, ten, the commandments of God, not just the Ten Commandments, but the commandments of God are, were God's instructions, instructions for his people concerning the relationship that they were going to enter into with him as they came into a relationship with him through the Old Covenant. So the Ten Commandments are not just rules. They're about how we live in relationship to our Savior, to our God, in this sense. All right, and so the first four commandments specifically relate to the relationship of God's people to their Father God. And so we're dealing with the third one, even as we look at it, in this sense. Remember the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the commandment. I am the Lord your God. And when he says, I am the Lord, that is actually, I am Yahweh, your God. That's the word that's actually there. I am Yahweh. That's the name of God. There is no other God. There is no other God besides Yahweh. Yahweh is the God who brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He's the God who saved them. Will told us, God's, uh, Jesus summarized uh, the commandments, and in particular this first and greatest commandment, when he said, what's the most important commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The second commandment, Joel talked about last week, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is under the water, that is in the water under the earth. Under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. In essence, the Lord God, Yahweh, cannot and will not be reduced to an image made by human hands or by the human mind or conceived in the human mind. He will not be replaced or substituted by anything that we can come up with. You must love him. This is the positive application of that. You must love him, Yahweh, above all else. He will not tolerate you loving anyone or anything above him. You cannot worship, bow down to, or serve anyone or anything but him. Those are the first two commandments, and they give us the context for the third commandment that we're going to look at today. Again, you shall not, and I'm going to, I'm going to read it this way because I, I want you to understand uh, this is the way it was actually given to us in the scriptures. Uh, it's not translated quite in this fashion all the time. We'll talk about that in a minute. You shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. For Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Why am I using the name of God, Yahweh? Because what is this commandment? Do not take the name of God, Yahweh, 
in vain. That's the commandment that we have here. If you want to, you can turn in your Bibles back to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be there just for a couple of moments. We have to lay this foundation to understand the commandment. You remember when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, right? And he's there in the burning bush, and God is telling Moses that he's going to send him to Egypt, to Pharaoh, to bring his people out of Egypt. And in the context of that, Moses asked God uh, this question, beginning in, in um, verse 13, um, or excuse me, verse 14. God, Moses asked the question, what is his name? What shall I say to them? If the people ask me, what is your name, God? What shall I say to them? This is the answer that God gives in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Or that can be roughly, it can be translated, I am what I am, or I am, I will be what I will be. God said, I am who I am, and he said, Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is my name forever, and though I am to be remembered throughout all generations, Yahweh is that name by which God said he wanted to be called and remembered throughout all generations. Um, Let's turn over then to, uh, I just want to kind of move further in that story just a little bit to Exodus chapter 6, and verses uh, 6 through 7. Uh, we again see um, how this interaction between God and the, and the significance of his name. And I think I'll start in verse 2. It says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. So, what God is saying to Moses is, this is new. I am telling you, this is my covenant name, Yahweh. I have not made myself known before this time as Yahweh, but I, that's what I'm making myself known to you today as is Yahweh. The self-existent, eternal God who always has been, and who always will be. That's Yahweh, and that's the name that he chose. By my name, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land in which they sojourned. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant with them. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgments. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am Yahweh. Over and over and over again. God is emphasizing his name, Yahweh. Why is he doing that? Because as Will told us a, couple, a few weeks ago, when we started with the study of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God. He's not just a God. He's not just a God of the, uh, amongst the many gods. It is... It is um, 
This year I'm reading through the Bible in a translation that actually translates uh, the word Lord as Yahweh. Most of your, our English translations, all the ones I've read up until this year in my life, they, they, they do not put the name Yahweh in there. They translate it as Lord in capital letters. So if you look in your Bible and it says L-O-R-D in capital letters, that's actually the name Yahweh. But it's not put in our English translations because the Jewish people decided long before Christ came that they were not going to utter the name of God or use the name Yahweh in a disrespectful way or in a flippant way, and they quit using it. And they've replaced it uh, with the word for Lord that we translate as Lord. And so we translated it in our scriptures that way. But the actual uh, original inspiration that God gave us is he gave us his name, Yahweh. So this just really is helpful even as you read through your scriptures in the Old and New Testament. If you see L-O-R-D in all capital letters, what do you read? I, I do this. I try to read Yahweh. When you do that, you realize how much God cared about his name and how much his name was spoken. One of the um, searches that I did revealed that that, that that name, the name Yahweh, occurs more than 5,000 times in the Scripture. I think it might be close to 7,000 when you include the Old and the New Testament in there. Clearly, his name was very important. That's really what leads us into um, a beginning of the understanding of the commandment. You shall not take the name Yahweh, your God, in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I want to look at one other passage in Exodus, uh, and then we're going to talk about what this means a little bit. In um, Exodus 33 and 34, Moses is talking with God, uh, and Moses asked God to show him his face. Uh, and God responds to him uh, by telling him, and I'm going to read in verse 33, um, God says, uh, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to him, I will be gracious, and I will show mercy uh, on whom I will show mercy, but my face you cannot see, for no man can see me and live. And then picking up in chapter 34, when God actually uh, um, shows himself and reveals himself to Moses, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 34, says, The, the Lord, Yahweh, descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name Yahweh. The Lord passed before, excuse me, Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head and worshiped. I read that because this is who God says that he is. Let's read it again. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, 
abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. But by no means will he clear the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That verse changed my understanding of who God was. And prior to really grasping that verse, God was the judge sitting on a throne who scared me to death. And he is the judge sitting on the throne who should scare us to death, but he is also merciful and gracious, slow to anger, found in steadfast love and faithfulness. He keeps steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. That's what he wants his name to mean to us, to represent to you and I to, as his people. Uh, so with that as the context and the, the background for understanding the third commandment, let's look back at it again. You shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does it mean to take the name of the Lord in vain? Some translations actually translate as you shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Well, the first thing that most of us think of and that, that appears to have been thought generally in terms of that is about speaking God's name in a way that dishonors God as part of a curse or just flippantly or just casually uh, speaking his name uh, so that he is not reverenced. And it does mean that. But much like the understanding of you shall not commit adultery, it doesn't stop with that very surface meaning because it's not, the idea of taking his name includes far more than speaking his name. Uh, so you have to stop thinking, and what other ways can we take the Lord's name? Um, well, the most obvious way is his people whom he's bringing into covenant with him, they took on his name. Much as when a child's adopted into a family, the child takes on the name of the family that he's adopted into. So I, I would then, if I'm adopted into a family, I take on my new father's name. When the children of Israel were brought into a relationship with God, brought into his family, they took on his name. They became known as, not the children of Israel specifically, but the children of Yahweh. So they took on his name. They, they carried his name, and that's one of the definitions for the word that's translated as take. There, they carried, they bore his name uh, in that sense. So how can you, could you then, uh, and this I think starts to get a little easier for some of us, at least when we think about it, I don't know about you, but I carried the name Broyer. That meant a little bit to me in the sense that as a Broyer, I knew that what I did would get back to my mom and dad, right? And what I did would get back to them, and I did not want to uh, hurt my parents and do stuff that would cause uh, dishonor to them uh, or dishonor, in that sense, to my name. So even in our, our life, I think we think about that. I bet you many of you are football fans. 
you each probably have a team that you, you, you follow. You know, if you're a Vols fan, you take on the persona of a Vols fan. If you're, I was a Cowboy fan growing up. You had to behave in a certain way if you were a Cowboy fan or if you were a Vols fan. We do those, and we understand that. We take on the name, and we want to be proud of, and we want to glorify the name of whoever's name we take on in that sense. Well, that's the same idea, but at a, at a, a much uh, less significant level as we think about what it means to take on the name of the Lord. How do we take on, how can we take the Lord's name in vain? Well, the idea of in vain just basically means uh, emptiness, a complete ineffectiveness, uh, a nothingness. Those are the words that, that I get from the dictionary, or falseness. It's the word describes the futility of certain things and activities. Literally, if we look at that, this verse and what it says, it says literally, you shall not lift up the name of Yahweh to falsehood. Take on, as me, lift it up and take it on as my name in a way that's false. Uh, let's look at the last phrase. What does the Lord, uh, what does the Lord will not hold him guiltless mean? Well, that means pretty much exactly what it sounds like. He will not pardon. He will not consider innocent he who takes his name in vain. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be considered innocent by Yahweh? Should be a resounding yes. Should we be considered innocent by Yahweh? Any of us? Should we, let, me, let me put it in New Testament terms. Should we be reckoned innocent by Yahweh? Not in our own right and not in our own merit. Okay, so that's, that's the essence of the gospel message, right? We will not be considered innocent, guiltless, but through or except through the name, the sacrifice, the salvation that we receive from Jesus Christ. This commandment speaks right to that. Now, this commandment at the time said, God said to his people, those who had entered into a covenant with him and said, we profess to be your children, your people. But he gave a warning in this commandment. Is this a significant warning? Well, if you think about it, it is, because who's innocent? This warning is one that we all need to heed, right? He will not consider uh, or hold him guiltless who takes the Lord's name in vain. Uh, backtrack for just a moment, and what I want to do is, is, is take this commandment, and I want you to think about it, and, and just in your mind right now, try and restate it as a positive command that tells you to do something. So the command is a negative command, a thou shalt not. In your mind, think about it, state it as a positive command, thou shall do what? What does the command encourage Honor, right? Glorify. What do, what do we just uh, 
Mike read from the, I think that's from the catechism, Presbyterian catechism, right? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. What does this command command us to do? To glorify God. Let me just read a couple of passages that kind of go, speak to this. It tells us to fear the glorious and awesome name of Yahweh. Deuteronomy 28.58 says, if, uh, if you are not careful to do all the works of the law that are written in this book, that you may, and here's what it tells us to do, to fear this glorious and awesome name of the Lord God. We are definitely to fear God's name. That's part of what we're commanded to do. Um, Deuteronomy 32, 3, 3 through 4 says that we are to proclaim the name of Yahweh. For I will proclaim the name of Yahweh. I will ascribe greatness to our God. This rock, His word, is perfect for all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness without injury, uh, with iniquity, just and upright is He. Um, positive statement of this command says to establish, we are to establish, magnify, glorify, and exalt the name of Yahweh. And I take this from 1 Chronicles 17. It says, there is none like you, O Lord, there is no God beside you, according to all that you have heard with our ears, all that we have heard with our ears, and who is like your people Israel? Now listen, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making for himself a name for a great and awesome things. God made his name great and awesome through the people that he redeemed. That was his purpose and his plan in doing that. Um, skipping down to um, verse 23. And now, O Lord, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant, this is David, and concerning his house be established forever. And do as you have spoken, and your name will be established and magnified forever, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, uh, who is Israel's God. Uh, and in Isaiah chapter 42, 8, another verse that speaks to what God commands us to do. I am the Lord, that is my name. Excuse me. I am Yahweh. That is my name, my glory, I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. As I read through these verses and started looking at this, it's amazing how many times the third commandment is connected right to the first and second commandment. There's no other God. I am the only one. There's no other God besides me. There is no other God before me. And I will not share my glory with idols, with anything else. In John chapter 17, Jesus says that he came and glorified the Father. And he says, I came and I manifested your name to my disciples uh, that you had given to me. And I manifested your word. And then he says, that, and I am sending them. Who's that? His disciples. How about you and I? Right? I'm sending them to the world just as you sent me to the world. So Jesus came to manifest, to glorify, to show the name of God. And he sent us 
to do the same thing, to glorify, to manifest uh, his name. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us how to pray. You remember how that prayer begins? It begins with the third commandment. Hallowed be thy name. Consecrated, honored, reverenced. That's the command that is given to us. How was this commandment broken? It's funny, you know, it's very, actually very difficult uh, to read through the Scriptures anywhere where it cites, oh, this is the third commandment, and they broke the third commandment in this sense. But how was this command broken? Um, well, we're told over and over again in, in the history of the children of Israel uh, that they, uh, Isaiah 48, 1 is one spot where it talks about they were called by His name, they swear by His name, they confess God as Israel, uh, God as, uh, God as Yahweh as their God, but not in truth or not in right. So they confessed His name falsely. Romans chapter 2 uh, kind of summarizes it for us. And we'll look just briefly at that. Um, in Romans chapter 2, just in verse 13, Paul is, is writing and he says, It's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified uh, before God. And then he goes on to talk about how the Gentiles did not have the law, but the Jews had the law, and how the Gentiles did what was right, even though they didn't have the law, and the Jews did not do what was right, even though they had the law as well. Uh, and I want to uh, jump on down to um, verse 21 uh, in Romans chapter 2, and he says, You then who teach others, talking about to the Jewish people, who have the, the law, do you teach yourselves? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? Right out of the Ten Commandments. You say that one must not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? Again, right out of the Ten Commandments. You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Again, right out of the Ten Commandments. Right? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is, as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Why? Because they did not listen to the Word of God. They did not follow the Word of God. They did not do His will. They walked in disobedience to Him. They falsely professed the name of God. Of Yahweh. I'm Yah I'm I'm your child, but I'm not going to do anything you tell me to do. I'm going to walk the way I want to walk and go where I want to walk and do what I want to do. I want all the benefits, none of the responsibilities that come with that relationship. Turn with me to, if, if you, open your Bibles to Matthew, if, you, if you're not there, to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I just want to finish up with this thought.
Matthew chapter, chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter to the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. They professed to be his people. We're in the new covenant, right? Even now. We're in the, they professed to be his people. They said, we're saved through you. But they did not listen. They did not hear. They did not obey. They had no genuine faith or belief that God was their God and He was their Lord. Uh, let me read the going on there, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against his house and it fell and great was the fall of it. God, through his son Jesus Christ, has invited us into a saving relationship with him that we need Right? Because we have all broken His law. We've all gone against His will and made ourselves our own little mini-gods. Little g-gods. Every last one of us. That's what we have done. He's made a way through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His life, His death, where He paid the price for our sins and His righteousness that is considered and attributed to us. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. The children of Israel were chosen by God to be His people, to glorify Him, to manifest His name to the whole world. Most of them refused to do that. Hebrews tells us they did not enter into His rest because they did not believe a belief that was manifested in obedience. And that's what faith is, right? It's not, we don't just say we believe it. We actually act on what we believe. It's manifested in obedience. This is the commandment. Thou, thou shalt not take the name Yahweh in vain. He who does take his name in vain will not be held guiltless. That, that's the law today. We only escape that through the sacrifice through the life and death of Jesus Christ. And we show our faith in him. We demonstrate that we actually believe that and that we have entered into the covenant with him. From our perspective, we demonstrate that when we do what? 
when we act on that belief by seeking to do His will. Many profess the name of Jesus. There is no other name, no other name by which you might be saved. It's only through His love, His, His sacrifice, His life, that we have any hope of dwelling with Him. Have you taken His name? Are you glorifying and exalting His name? Or have you taken it in vain? That's the response that He calls us to. Take His name and glorify Him and exalt Him by listening to Him. Let me put it this way. By truly entering into a relationship with Him. He's our Father. He's our God. He's our Savior. And He wants us to walk with Him to be yoked to him, to learn from him. I cannot do that on my own, and neither can you. It's only by the help, the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit that we can honor and glorify and exalt his name. Are you known by his name? Let's pray. Father, I, your word is, is um, Convicting. Convicting to me. Uh, Father, do we do we glorify you? Or do we blaspheme your name? what we say, what we do, what we think. Either brings you honor and glory or blasphemes your name, profanes your name. Over and over again, you command us to walk in a way that's worthy of your calling. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit, with your strength, with your power, that we might, by faith, honor you and glorify you and walk with you. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ because I know that's his will. That's your will. Amen.